Most people want more money than they deserve. Think about the millions of dollars paid to athletes and entertainers, and they are seeking more of it, of course. Um, You think about people entering into politics as commoners and retiring as millionaires. This is a trend. But on the normal person level, people with no special education or special skills want the minimum wage to be majorly increased, not thinking about the ripple effects that that will produce. Of course, this is not a political speech, so we can move on from that. Just an example. Uh, This meme kind of describes the idea. This meeting going on, an interview. The starting pay is $40,000. Later, it can go up to $80,000. Okay, I'll start later then. (laughs) Uh, Well, this makes the Harrison Ford, Ford face right here worth looking at. That's not how salaries work. He has a good, a good uh, angry face. At any rate, uh, we all want more than we get. Uh, does anyone in this room not want a raise? I'm sure we all do want a raise. Uh, when it comes to the day of reckoning, judgment day, we must be aware of this. God is not unjust. God is not unjust. Paul asks a rhetorical question in Romans chapter 9 and verse 14 where he asks this question, is there unrighteousness with God? Well, we know the answer to that. Of course, we remember the question of Abraham, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Do justly? Of course, we know that God is just. Well, that is the heart of understanding Romans chapter 6. And verse 23, God is just. Look at Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He uses the word wages. And it's the Greek term obscenion, which means money paid, for services rendered. So a soldier goes off to battle and he's out there fighting for his uh, commanding officer or his country or his city or whatever the case may be. And for that activity as a soldier, he receives a just recompense, a reward. Wages for his services rendered. That's the idea of wages. But the wages of sin, the wages of sin is death, is what it says. Sin is ignoring or opposing the will of God. Of course, we know we learn about the will of God in the Word of God. God reveals to us His plan, His purposes, and His pathway. And when we choose a different plan, a different purpose, a different pathway, we are varying Wandering off from God, our Father, and God, our Creator, and we're sinning against Him. We're disobeying Him. Sin has a wage. We'll talk about that wage in a couple of moments. But as it's always important, it's to understand the bigger picture. Who sins? Who sins? Of course, we've already been 
instructed on this, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God in Romans chapter 3. Take a look at Psalm 53, the 53rd Psalm. It's not just my neighbor that sins. It's not just my president who sins or my governor who sins or my mayor who sins. Of course, they're targets of our venom as a nation. It's not just the police officers who sin, the targets of the venom of our nation. It's not just the hoodlums that sin, another target of our nation. It's, it's not just the, the LGBTQ, whatever other thing you've got to put at the end of it. It's not just them that sin. It's not just their supporters that sin. It's not just their opponents that sin. It's everyone sins. We want to make one person the target of what sin is. One group of people the target of what sin is. We've got a real problem as a society, when we target in on one grouping, one person, someone else out there, they're the sinners. Oh no. That might be true. In fact, it is true. I can't change the fact that they're sinning. The sin that is involved in this person, this I am accountable for. Psalm 53, beginning in verse 1. The fool says in his heart, there is no God They are corrupt, doing an abominable iniquity. There is none who does good. God looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all fallen away. Together they have become corrupt. There is none. There is none who does good. Not even one. Not even one. Not even one. None. 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 But our venom goes everywhere else. It's the heart of division. The heart of a divided church. The heart of a divided home. The heart of a divided nation. The heart of a divided culture. is them, 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 them. We want unity? It's me. Problems right here. The Bible tells us in Jeremiah 17, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand? Head over to Ephesians chapter 2. It's hard, ladies and gentlemen, as we observe our world and we, we see rampant sin in every place. And for, for those who want it another way, sometimes even our response is of like kind scrolling through social media and someone's political post and I start to get angry. You know what? I'm done. Not looking. Scrolling through the news. Oh, what's happening? Oh, angry. I'm done. Not looking there. Revealing in me my sin. I want to say, look at all the sin going on. No. Yes, that's true. Yes. But who's sinning while they're scrolling? Or clicking, or clicking, whatever. However, however you take in the nonsense, whether it's through a TV, a newspaper, or some electronic device, angry because of all the foolishness and sinfulness going on in our land. It's been going on for a long time. It just has different clothes all the time. Do not be deceived. This same sinfulness has been rampant from the beginning. 
every thought, every intention of everyone's heart was only evil continually. Genesis chapter 6. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Ephesians chapter 2 tells the tale very nicely, beginning in verses 1 and following. And you, Christian, and you, believer in Jesus Christ, and you, church, and you, pastor, and you, apostle, and you, disciple, you were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now, now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. Will you read the end of verse 3 with me? Like the rest of mankind. Who sins? We do. Who sins? I do. What is the wage of my sin? What is the wage of your sin? It's the same. The wage for my sin and the wage for your sin is exactly the same. As well as my neighbor, as well as the society at large. The wages of sin is death. Death. Take a look please with me at Colossians chapter 3. Look at verses 5 and 6. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Will you read verse 6 with me, please? Let's say it aloud. You might have a different version than I do, but we're going to get the same concept. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. On account of sin, the wrath of God is coming. The wages of sin is death. God's wrath, condemnation, judgment. Look back at Romans chapter 2. We've read this previously in our study. Romans chapter 2. Paul was presenting the reality that every person everywhere stands accountable before God and there's no partiality with Him. So he says in Romans Chapter 2 and verse 6, speaking of God, He will render to each one according to His, what does it say? Works. The wages of what? Sin is death. Verse 8, but for those who are self-seeking, that's sin, and do not obey the truth, that's sin, but obey unrighteousness, that's sin, there will be, will you say it? Wrath and fury. Jesus described this punishment as outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The book of Revelation speaks of the lake that burns with fire and sulfur. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 says those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, these shall be punished, punishment, punished with eternal or everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord, and from the glory of His power. God is not unjust. The wages, the payment, what you earn from sin is death, eternal judgment, condemnation, separation from God, pain, 
turmoil, torment, absence of God, emptiness, darkness, fire, absolute, utter, eternal torment. God is not unjust. What you earn through sin is judgment. Earn. Earn. Take a look at Hebrews chapter 2. God is not unjust. Hebrews chapter 2. He's teaching these Christians about the value that they have having come to Jesus Christ. He's warning them from deviating from Christ. Because Christ has paid the full weight of their sin and He has provided the full uh, payment needed to provide them with eternal righteousness and eternal life. Don't go anywhere else. Stay with Christ. He's greater than the Old Testament prophets. He's greater than the angels. He's giving them these thoughts and many, many others. Hebrews chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away. For since the message declared by angels, that is a reference to the law of Moses, since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, trustworthy, truthful, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. Ooh, that's a good word, retribution. You know what that word means? Payment of wages due. Every, verse 2, every transgression, that is to violate the law, or disobedience, that could be either a sin of commission, you're doing something that you're told not to do, or a sin of omission, you didn't do something God told you to do. Every transgression and every disobedience received a just retribution. Under the law, every sin has an equal and opposite reaction. Just retribution. God is not unjust. Verse 3, how shall we escape if we neglect a great, such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributing according to His will. What's he saying? He's saying that if under the, the law, every disobedience, every transgression received a just recompense of reward, but God has provided a greater, greater revelation, and you neglect that, guess, guess what that means? Greater condemnation. Greater condemnation. A just recompense of reward has just gotten a, a higher level of just recompense of reward. More revelation, more responsibility. You don't want to go back under the law well, it'd be less responsibility. Listen, we are on this side of the cross. We look back. We know. We know what God reveals about what happened. We know that Jesus fully met all the demands of the law. That He laid His life down as a once for all sufficient sacrifice for my sin so that all my sins could be taken and cast as far as the east is from the West. Never to be brought up again. You don't want to go back. Don't neglect the salvation. 
that God has offered. God is not unjust. The wages of sin is death. It's true for you. It's true for me. That's one pathway. But the verse that we, we have memorized transitions. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The free gift of God is eternal life. The free gift. The word is charisma. It's a favor with which one receives without any merit of his own. It's a favor that someone receives without any merit of his own. This is a gift of divine grace. The free gift of God. Oh, you can earn it. Oh, you can earn it. Work really hard. Pray really hard. Sacrifice really deeply. Help. Help people all day long. Do everything you can. Earn, 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 earn. Guess what you're going to get? Death. But God has something greater for you. He has a free gift for you. Something you could never earn. No matter what you tried. No matter what you did. No matter how sincere and faithful you think you can be. Free gift comes to those who are in Christ Jesus. Let's talk about this free gift for a couple of moments. Take a look, please, at Psalm 103. 103rd Psalm. God has always been, since the beginning, about forgiving the trespasses of His people, which is why even in the rendering of judgment against Adam and Eve, He offered them, number one, a promise that was to come in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, in seed form, pun intended, um, but he also made sacrifice for them and clothed them. There are some implications there, I'd say, for God covering sin and dealing with sin. In Psalm 103, we have some very clear revelation of God's desire to forgive, willingness to forgive, ability to forgive sin. Psalm 103, beginning in verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will He keep His anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. This is, this is the result of the free gift of God. Take a look, please, at Psalm 130. We're going to start reading in verse 1, but the heart of our being here is in verses 3 and 4. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the words of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness that you may be feared. Verse 3, if you should mark. The word there, the Hebrew word is shamar. It's to keep. It's to treasure. It's to protect. It's a little bit of a word picture. If you were to take all of my sins and put them in a little box or a big box. Put a cap on it and hold it for safekeepings. Who'd be able to stand in that scenario? You? 
you be able to stand in that scenario? The wages of sin is death. If God treasured, kept, preserved all of my sins and held me accountable for them, I would surely die. And so surely would you. And we're not talking about physical death. Everyone dies as a result of the first sin. Death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. We're talking about eternal, eternal death. That's the contrast. Death over against eternal life. Eternal death, eternal life. The second death, not experiencing the second death. And we'll talk about the second death tonight. Verse 4, But you, with you, there is forgiveness that you may be feared. Take a look now at Colossians chapter 2. What a vitally important passage of Scripture that we are about to read. Colossians chapter 2. He takes all of these concepts and he really addresses them very nicely in Colossians chapter 2. We'll start reading in verse 13. The main element of our discussion will be verse 14. Verse 13, Colossians 2. And you who were dead in trespasses. Notice how he said you were dead. So here he's saying you were dead and now you're alive. You were under the burden of sin, but now that burden of sin has been lifted. And you who were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross. Don't lose focus here. Verse 14, canceling. He uses a Greek word that means to wipe away or to blot out. And this is, again, not contrary to God's revealed nature. In Isaiah 43, in verse 25, he made this statement, I, I am He who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. And so we have, through the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ, an application of God canceling something. He's canceling what? The record of debt. Why do I need the record of debt canceled? Because I earned, I earned a wage. All of my sin, innumerable that they are, all of your sin, as innumerable as they are, they accrued a wage. But God says, I have canceled the record of debt. It's an unpayable, unpaid debt that's on your account. It was a handwritten, this is the word he uses, handwritten. uses the word hand and grapho. In one Greek word, it's a compound word, handwritten. I-O-U. A handwritten record of debt. Here you were, all your life, God, I did this. You didn't know you were doing this. I did this. You didn't know you were writing this, this I-O-U. Uh, I disobeyed my parents. I, I was not kind to my wife. I was uh, rude to my sister. I was, uh, had a really bad attitude toward my boss. I was swearing at someone on the road. I wanted to swear at someone on the road. It came into my mind. I just didn't say it. But I was thinking it. 
wrote it down, wrote it down. I was a glutton. I was covetous. I, I wanted to have yet uh, another car. I wanted to have another fire pit. I use things that are my problems, right? <laughs> Writing these things down. You've got your own record. Your own record of handwritten IOUs. You don't see them. But God canceled this written, handwritten record of debt that stood against us. We earned this debt. It stood against us. So the record says, you are guilty. You deserve eternal punishment. The wrath of God ought to be poured out upon you. This is the handwritten record that stood against us. It was contrary to us with its legal demands. The IOU had a price. Eternal death, separate from God, condemned by God, eternal punishment. We see this. All right. Look at the end of the verse. This he set aside. This is a very interesting word picture. Literally, you could read this. This he lifted up from the midst. It's like you've got it in your pocket. I owe. I, I, I know I owe. And it's like God reached into your pocket and grabbed that record and He lifted it up from your midst. You can't grab it anymore. He's taken it. What did He do with it? It's been nailed to the cross. Well, what's the significance of that? Well, Jesus' accusation was nailed to the cross above His head. So you take that handwritten record. It gets slammed under the cross. Guilty. Who? Who's guilty? He became sin for us who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Through Him. Uh, my record. Not covetous of another fire pit. Not wanted 17 more slices of pizza. Righteous. Why? Because my sin debt was nailed to the cross. Jesus was accused and punished as guilty, even though he knew no sin. My record of debt that stood against me, accruing a, an insurmountable payment, was removed. The wages, my wages, for sin, my sin, was death. But the free gift of God, ooh, earn, gift, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus paid the full weight of our sin. It was incumbent upon us to turn from our sin and to turn to Christ. He's blotted out that record there's a song that was released last year called Alive. You might not listen to this sort of thing. That's up to you. But listen to these words anyway. You're kind of stuck here listening to the words whether you like it or not. He, the song goes, I have fallen short of glory. I can't make it on my own. If you kept record of my past, I'd be sinking like a stone. But God, rich in mercy, you came to save me. Now I'm alive. God has done this. And this is what we celebrate when we look at Romans 6.23. What I earned deserves death. 
What I receive instead is the gift of God. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's only one way that God will not keep record of your past. Do you want the wage? Or do you want the gift? Do you want the wage? Or do you want the gift? When your sin is your master, you get the wage. Eternal punishment. When God is your master, you get the free gift. Eternal life. That's what Romans 6 is telling us. Romans 6 is about two masters. The master of sin, God your master. What happens in the lives of those who are mastered by these two masters, the actual results, completely different. And the end result, completely different. The one mastered by sin, sins, unrighteous, accruing more unrighteousness and more unrighteousness and more lawlessness, the end of which is death, eternal death. The one who is mastered by God is free from sin. Righteousness now rules. Obedience now rules. Obedience is now demonstrated in his life. Righteous acts that demonstrate sanctification. The end of this, the result of this, is eternal life. One we earn, the other is a gift. Who's your master? Oh, oh, of course, it's God. How do you make your decisions? Think through your decisions. Daily decisions. Weekly decisions. Monthly decisions. Who are you listening to? After you've made a decision, look back. Is that what God wanted me to do? Or is that what I wanted to do? If the answer is that's what I wanted to do and that's not what God wanted me to do, that calls the believer to repentance. To bring a godly sorrow that results in repentance. And what happens when we repent? Restoration, peace, and joy. Perhaps you look back on your decision-making time and time again, and it indicates something far from being a servant of God. Well, perhaps, my friend, perhaps this means you've never come to understand the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. Perhaps you've never come to the place where you've turned from your sin and called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to receive from him that free gift. And I would, I would beg you today, today turn, today call, call upon the name of the Lord. He'll save you. He'll save you from you. He'll save you from your bondage to sin. He'll save you for the judgment that awaits you because of your sin. And he'll grant to you eternal life and freedom. Well, we talked about what it's like to have sin as our master and its result, its outer darkness and, and, and pain and torture and torment. Pleasant conversation. What will it be like to have eternal life awaiting us? What is that like? Heaven is described as a place where God is. We will dwell with Him. There will be no more pain or sorrow or sickness 
or death, and no more mourning. According to Revelation chapter 22, verses 3 and 4, or 4 or 5, 5 and 6, I forget which verses, uh, no longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. Heaven is a place of full knowledge, full peace, full rest, and full joy. And because we know this right now, in this moment, we are filled with joy inexpressible and full of glory. That's what Peter says. The end is the salvation of your souls. Because of this, we are filled, filled with inexpressible joy and an expectation of eternal glory. And so our view toward heaven in the future gives us joy and peace in the now. How do we gain access to this free gift of eternal life? It's only in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's the end of Romans 6.23. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. It's a result of being united together with Christ. And this, my friends, is why we celebrate communion or the Lord's Supper. We're going to pray. We're going to shut down our streaming service. And then we're going to proceed with our Lord's Supper service. Let's pray together. Father, thank You. Thank You for the offer of eternal life through Jesus Christ. I pray for anyone here or somewhere else that's listening. We pray that even in this moment, they would be willing to turn from their sin and to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. And I pray, Father, for every believer here or listening, that we would rejoice with joy inexpressible because of the gift, the free gift that we've received, earned by Jesus, not by us. Help us to rejoice in these things, we pray in Jesus' name.